folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, presented by Scout Logistics and Symbol, your stock market for sports. Oh, Sam Ekstrom, the stock market for sports will be fluctuating wildly as we head into the NFL draft. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm starting to uh, to, to feel the impending like countdown. I think we're T-minus eight days, nine days. Um, it, it's right around the corner, so... I'm expecting there to be some red herrings thrown out here by some some well-placed sources in the next few days. Um, I think we're going to get an idea of where these quarterbacks are going to fall, probably a little more solidified, and we'll start to piece that board together. But, I mean, I, I keep running the Sims. I know you do too. And it, there's no telling who's going to be there at 14. Um, so, that like, picks four through 14 going to get pretty interesting. I really want to, and I don't know if I'll take the time, like, do I care about it enough to take the time to put together a bunch of the reports that came out pre-draft and then see which ones actually came to fruition? Because how funny is it that Justin Fields now is the Vegas favorite to go number three and all those, hey, it's going to be Mac Jones reports have gone completely quiet and nothing has changed. No one has played a football game. Justin Fields had a second pro day and so did Trey Lance. Uh, Did that swing it? The 49ers traded up before that. So I don't think that they would have traded up if they didn't know or at least who they think they want one of three. Because, I mean, obviously Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. So it's really one of two that they're going to get. So I'm sure that they traded up with the intent to draft Zach Wilson if he doesn't go to the Jets or Justin Fields or Trey Lance, whichever one they like more at three. And they knew that the minute they traded up and nothing else has changed since then. Also, one of my favorites, Sam, is... You know, this team would be interested in a trade down. Like, oh, whom whom are you hearing that from? I wonder, could it be a team waving a giant flag that they're taking offers? I mean, it's just some of this stuff is is just so, so funny, like to, to play the game as we go through it. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't tell Ian Rappaport to stop reporting these things because it makes it so much more fun and hilarious. Yeah, apparently my harebrained hot take that Zach Wilson's not going number two didn't move the meter in Vegas, I guess. I don't know why that didn't get get more of a bump for me. But, you know, I have a healthy respect for the Sharks that run Las Vegas. They usually know more than we do. They they know more about the odds than the alleged football experts and sources, I would argue sometimes. Or at least they know the trends. They know how things usually end up. So I, I definitely would trust those uh, those lines for the number three pick. And I can't wait to hear Rick Spielman. I assume he's going to talk at some point next week and give his annual pre-draft presser where he does a couple things. Number one, he, he waves the, like, you know, sets off the flares. Hey, we're taking calls. We're taking calls. Come one, come all. Call the Spielman dock of phones that I have set up in the war room. And uh, let's negotiate because I'm Trader Rick and I can't resist. Uh, number two, he will say something along the lines of, we are not doing X, and then he will go and do X in the draft. That That is – you can set your clock by it every year, Tuesday before draft. Rick Spielman does two things. And he puts his uh, – he puts his – what is it? His shoes on first and then his pants. Is that yeah, what was reported? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was reported. That's the third thing. That's, that's concerning, I think. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's alarming behavior for anyone. It really, it really is. I mean, if if you were hanging out with a buddy of yours and you were like just having a discussion about superstitions, like uh, do you not like walk under ladders or whatever or uh, go outside on Friday the 13th? And they said, my superstition is putting on my shoes first before my pants. <laughs> okay, man, I don't know if we can hang out anymore. <laughs> it's an odd one. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, yeah, I don't know if there's going to be a – pre-draft press conference or not like there usually is uh like you said and then we try to read between the lines and sometimes he does tell us the truth I mean back when uh they had lost Adrian Peterson he was saying well this running back draft is really incredible and then they end up taking Delvin Cook um this year is different for me Sam because I don't know what they're doing Like in years past, we would walk out of the draft press conference with Spielman and just by reading tea leaves anyway, I think we'd have a really good idea. It's probably going to be this guy or that guy. It's going to be this position and then we'll see. I remember we were all taken a little bit by surprise when Mike Hughes was picked, but then the very next pick was the one that we all thought it was going to be with the offensive lineman. We had a really good idea that it was going to be a tight end when they took Irv Smith Jr. We had a really good idea it was going to be an offensive lineman. Whether I remember debating the will it be Andre Dillard or will it be Garrett Bradbury as we led up to that draft. But with this one, the more I talk about it, the more I talk myself in circles of like, Will it be a defensive lineman? Will it be an offensive lineman? Will it actually be best player available? What about Mac Jones? And and just, you know, it's, it's sort of funny that um, that we still don't feel like we have this great grasp, even though the mock drafters are very confident that it's offensive or defensive line. You bring up the 2018 draft, and I'm starting to feel some similarities to that one. Um, and I... On the record, I have been very much in favor of going offensive line in the first round. So this is a little bit two-faced on my part because I'm starting to think that they could go the path of go defense in round one and address the offensive line in round three, or if they can trade up, maybe round two. But I don't think a trade up is realistic. I, I just I really like the day two tackle class. Uh, we obviously released the the Purple Insider Draft Guide. We broke down over 50 prospects. There are a ton of, like, day two, day three tackles. Jackson Carmen, Brady Christensen, Liam Eichenberg. Um, Cosme, probably, he would have to drop. Like, you would have to get into the second round to get Cosme. But, um, you know, Tevin Jenkins, Dylan Rat- um, Raddins. There are just a lot of, like, really good kind of, like, second, third round, maybe even late first round tackle options inevitably one of them's going to drop. Like there's going to be a run on tackles and somebody's going to filter through and get left behind. And that could be the Vikings play here. They, they could kind of t- make the surprise pick in round one, which was Mike Hughes, and then do the traditional pick in round whatever uh, to get the tackle. That feels to me like maybe a realistic and justifiable option. So if you walk away from round, round one without your offensive lineman, I don't think I'll be as steamed about it as I might have been talking two weeks ago, like having studied it a little harder, it feels more um, feasible to me. And if they wait till the third, you could still have not only a tackle who drops and you have two third round picks as of right now, we'll see how many that ends up being. Uh, Or if they do get back into the second, which we're going to discuss your piece uh, on the website, but um, the third round will have guards also. And they could be looking at it and saying, this thing is so deep that Wyatt Davis might be there, or, you you know, you could have Quinn uh, Miners who could be there. I mean, there's a number of different guys who are interior offensive linemen. Trey Smith is another one who I've looked at from Tennessee who are very likely to be there because the tackle group is so thick that people are going to draft the heck out of these tackles and the guards are going to get left behind a little bit and still be hanging around in the third round. So that would be the argument for it. If they're looking at how the board could work out to say, all right, we should draft our corner, which would drive everyone nuts, I know. Our wide receiver, which would, uh, you know, we would 
make you a parade. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There would be a parade from us (laughs) uh, in Richfield is where I'm holding it um, at at my basketball court. It'll be a wide receiver three party. (laughs) Right. So, uh, but you know, they could, but you know, you could do that or you could do that. Obviously the defensive end is a big one that you could trade down and, and so forth. So it leaves you a lot of options with the fact that this is a deep offensive line class. So I guess I would just say, and I've gotten so many notes from people like this, like if they don't draft Christian Derrissaw, I am, just giving away my season tickets for life and climbing to the tallest building in Minneapolis and jumping off. And they're like, okay, 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 hold on. Like take a deep breath because day two might have the offensive lineman you're looking for. And Brian O'Neill in that same cir- circumstance where I will admit even myself, I was like, I don't get why you're taking my cues. Now that pick has not worked out, but it, you know, we didn't really understand like, why are you taking a corner now? You're pretty set at corner. You need offensive line help right away. And it turned out that Brian O'Neill did help them right away in 2018, mm-hmm. even despite you know some bumps in the road, and then has become a really, really good player. So sometimes you do have to say, okay, hold on. Like that Andre the Giant gif, you ever seen that one? Where he's like, no, 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 no. Like, that's, oh, yeah. We might have to be that on night one of the draft. And, you know, those day two prospects, there's not a lot of red flags with them either. I mean, maybe they're not like the the freaks that, they, that you have in round one, but – I don't know, like, I mean, Slater, like, opted out last year, you know? that That's maybe not as a sure thing. Um, I, I see, like, someone like Brady Christensen, like a three-year starter. Liam Eikenberg, like a three-year starter at left tackle. I mean, they're just really, like, clean-cut prospects. There's not a lot of mystery to them. You, you just know that they're good. And I feel like that was kind of Brian O'Neill, too. So if – and the Vikings have always relied upon, I think, a certain level of um, experience with their offensive line picks. They like guys that have started multiple years and are on the older side too. Like, you know, Pat Elfline and Garrett Bradbury, they weren't young. Like Garrett Bradbury was almost 24 years old. So they appreciate having a lot of information about these prospects. And it's just one after the other, like these day two offensive linemen that have been playing forever with like 2,500 snaps in college and they allowed two sacks total you're probably getting a pretty good player. So uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think the question is, if it's not offensive line, where is it? Like the, the defensive end is certainly the bigger need than wide receiver. But wide receiver, I think, presents more talent. Uh, which of those two directions would you prefer? Um, I mean, well, you know wide receiver. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not surprised. Question. I'm not surprising anyone by saying this. Just be, and it's really just because that I think that a wide receiver can have more of an impact right away. And I feel like if that's the position you've put yourself in with a coach and a general manager who really want to win this year, if that's the way you've managed free agency, then that's your best chance. And it's not just, I know people get tired of me saying this, but like, it's not just me guys. I mean, Chris Trapasso said, if there's any player who could make a, a big impact for next year, like the biggest impact player they could draft would be Devonte Smith. Now Devonte Smith might go in the top 10. He might not be there, but it's just the idea that next year, if you're talking about the biggest impact position, it's probably not defensive end. It's probably not offensive tackle. Those usually take more development than a wide receiver. And I also just think of, you know, Justin Jefferson and blank, you know, and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, whoever it might be, and just how exciting that would be. I think that last year was really a drag for Vikings fans. So in a way, if I'm driving you crazy with this take, I'm thinking of you <laughs> like Vikings fans. I know you want Kirk Cousins protected and that's fair, um, but maybe you can have your cake and eat it too a little bit. I want to get your opinion, Sam, on something that I read from Kaylin Kaler, who now works for Defector. She's been on the show. Uh, she used to work for a Bleacher Report and then before that Sports Illustrated. She wrote a really interesting piece about how there is only about half the number of players who have signed on with an agent from what it would normally be during draft season. So normally during draft season, there'll be about a thousand or more than a thousand players who sign on with agents. And of course they're hoping to either get drafted or find spots as undrafted free agents. And this year it's only in like the 600s. Now what I know from our buddy Jeremiah Searles is that agents actually scout players themselves and then they, you know, target certain players to try to become their agent because they think there's a chance that they might succeed. Do you interpret that as 
this draft is way less deep than it would be in the past because there are far fewer players signing with agents. Or would you say that the talent is thicker because these are the, these are the only players who decided that they were ready for the draft when uh, a lot of players decide to stay for another year of eligibility? I mean, which way do you think we should interpret that? Because I can't decide. Yeah, that's pretty nuanced. So, let me, let's be honest first. There, there's, there's like 100 impact guys per draft. The remaining 150 are hopefuls. I think it's probably realistic to say. Uh, secondly, a lot of players at the college level probably didn't have the type of seasons in 2020 that they wanted to. Um, obviously, for juniors, you know, the, the junior season is huge because that's when you can declare. Um, and if you have a like decent season at all, and and you feel like you can get picked, you know, I don't know, fifth round or higher, fourth round or higher, you're probably declaring. There might be a lot of fringe players that thought they were going to play a lot as a junior, and then COVID happened, uh, the season happened, maybe they, maybe they were in a conference where they only played like half a dozen games, or they didn't progress the, the way they wanted to, and they're staying for that extra college year. To me, that feels like a little bit of, of a reason, and Additionally, if they return to school, um, they can transfer, right? One-time transfer rule. So they can set themselves up for, like, a very bountiful, successful, like, really good situation in 2021, which might set them up even better for the draft, and we might see big numbers next year. Um, Just reacting to what you're saying, those are my initial takeaways. So here's what I would think about this, is that the top players are legit. The top 100 players, as you mentioned, are absolutely NFL first three-round prospects and kind of a a really good group of them, at least from my eye and, and reading, you know, I don't know, dozens and dozens of different good draft analysts on this. It feels like through the third round, this should be really good. There are other drafts in the past where you go, I don't know, outside the top 10, you're talking about majorly flawed players, but even just looking at the relative athletic scores of guys who are projected to go in the second and third round, you're like, wow. I mean, there are some serious athletes here, but I think this is a year where you only come out if you know for sure that you're being drafted in those first three rounds, unless you're really desperate to get drafted and get your NFL career started. Uh, That to me says that, the Vikings should be trying to to get into that second round, get into that third round because the talent is very thick there. But I also think it's going to have a very quick drop off at some point. And when I draft sim, I'll tell you, it's usually uh, maybe the midway through the fourth is where I feel like, wow, there's only super flawed players here after this. And maybe I get lucky in the draft sim and they give me somebody that they shouldn't, but, and that, that does happen, but it feels like, Every time I do a seven-round draft sim and go through the whole thing, that there's this wall you run into after the third round and maybe your first fourth-round pick where you just don't feel like you really want any of these guys at that point. And that's why I think that this year of all years is not the one to be trading back and trading back and trading back. You saw Brad Spielberger, and you wrote about this too at the website, but Brad Spielberger had numbers on trades from all the GMs. And everyone else had like three, four, five, six trade downs. And Rick Spielman is 28. It's like, okay, okay. Trader Rick is absolutely legit. I think this is the year to not be Trader Rick in trading back a bunch of times. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you you probably don't want to turn your four fourths into eight sevenths. Right. Like, I, yes. I know that everyone's afraid of that because the Vikings have no sevenths and they always have multiple sevenths. But I think you can wheel and deal at a micro level, like move up two picks in the third, um, you know, in exchange for a fourth, then like move, you know, uh, back in the fourth, get an extra fifth. Like, I, I think you can do little moves here and there if there are very specific players. I wouldn't do a major trade up, certainly, and we'll get we'll get into this, but um, it's it's very unrealistic that the Vikings would trade up into the second round, I think more likely is that if they want to be in the second round, they would have to trade back. And I think that's the one major move that you'd want to consider because I think the second round is plentiful. Um, So if you can keep your first and add a second, I would pursue that. 
Um, we'll, we'll probably touch on this coming up here, but it's not as easy as it sounds. So uh, the Vikings will need a very specific like scenario to pop up. Uh, but that said, yeah, like I think you need to trust that the top 100, 125 are, are probably more of sure things. And then you get into the, the murky waters where a lot of these guys didn't have a chance to ascend. Like the reason that they are a day three prospect is because they they probably expected like more starting time in, in their junior season. And then they had like a weird off season. Maybe they didn't play right away like they wanted to, and they didn't improve like they wanted to because of how weird everything was. And like, I, I heard a conference call with Bill Belichick who was saying that the 2019 tape carries more weight than any other year where they're going back two years to look at guys just because of the wackiness of the season. Um, I think that probably pre- presents possibilities for diamonds in the rough, but more, more likely it, it's going to be harder for you to really pinpoint who's good on day three. So at least the Vikings are like front loaded on day three, it's four fourths and two fifths. So yeah, I don't think there's any reason to like move those back. I think you should just take those as is. Hey everyone, anybody who listens to the show knows that Sam and I may not be scratch golfers, but we love to have a great time playing golf. And that's why we have partnered with Birdie Golf in Woodbury. Birdie Golf is hands down the best indoor golf experience you will ever have. There are eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and luckily for us, never lose the ball. But it's not just for hardcore golfers. Birdie Golf is for everyone. Bring the family, play arcade style games while dining on great food in an upscale and comfortable environment. They have private bays for social distancing, a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio, and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and the best boneless wings in the metro. Make golf a night out or the place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro, and at birdiegolf.com, or you could call 651-998-2200 today. I'll see you there. Folks, the football offseason is off and rolling, and SodaStick has you covered with Minnesota sports-themed gear. Some of my favorite football designs that you have to check out include the Chuck Foreman Spin Doctor gear. You can commemorate Randy Moss's disgusting act on a shirt or a hoodie. And if you're old school, check out the Purple People Eaters design as well. Go to SodaStick.com and check them all out. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your Minnesota sports-inspired gear. All of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Plus, keep your eyes and ears out for our giveaways going on on this show as well on social media. Follow them at SodaStickCo on Twitter and at SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Yeah, and that's what I'm referring to because I think that the bottom of the draft, it, it's always a crapshoot. It's always unlikely that you're going to hit home runs toward the bottom of the draft. But this one, more than even years past, there are just fewer people to even choose from toward the end of the draft. So don't be trading out of 78 to go down to whatever early in the fourth. We've seen them do this before. Remember last year when they had a late third and I think they traded out of it to draft early in the fourth was that last year and uh yeah because day two we were all staying up late and waiting Mm -hmm. who are you gonna pick or whatever and then they make a trade to I think New Orleans and New Orleans takes some tight end or whatever and they traded on to the fourth round like don't be doing those I know they will but I don't think that that's a good play this year I think this year it's it takes some of those fourths and maybe try to get back into the third like try to get more top 100 talents this year because those are the only guys who I think really have a chance to make it now you talk about so when I said don't trade down I don't mean in the first in the first of course let's talk about that because you went through and uh, you tried to figure out how they could get into the second round. And I found this really interesting, and I'm sure I mentioned it, but I'm not 100% sure, that uh, Thomas Dimitrov was on the PFF Forecast podcast, and he said, and this is the former GM of the Falcons, that everyone still uses that same draft chart, which blows my mind. But he said it's like talking the same language, uh, that they add up the little numbers and everything else. So you took the draft chart and tried to figure out how they could get back in the second, and 
you also passed up on Kyle Pitts on the way and, you know, you got heckled on Twitter, which was funny, but yeah. uh, for the exercise you were trading back. So what, what was your, your main finding on how difficult it might be for the Vikings to get a second round pick by trading back in the first? You bet. So let's just like high level explanation of the trade chart. Pick number one is worth 3000 virtual points. Uh, seventh round picks are worth one point and there's a pretty steep drop off. Like, uh, the first pick of the second round for Jacksonville is worth 580 compared to their 3,000 in the first round. So the picks obviously drop off fast. So w- what that tells you is you're not going to be able to, like, package a third and a fourth and move up into the second. It doesn't work that way. You would need to give, like, all of your fourths and a fifth to get a second-round pick. And no one's going to do that. Like, those are so mu- they're, they're so much less value valuable as evidenced by how many of them you would need. Um, not even like packaging two of your thirds would necessarily get you into the second round. So you, you've probably got to trade back if you want that second round pick. Okay, so the Vikings pick at 14. It's worth 1,100 virtual points. Um, for a team to trade up to get that um, and give their second round pick as well, you probably have to have someone jump seven spots. Because if you're trading back one spot with, with New England – you would just be like swapping picks and then New England tosses in a fourth. Um, right. You're not getting a second round pick, you know, with right. Las Vegas. Las Vegas tosses in like a third maybe, but you're not getting a second. So you've got to keep going back and back and back to Indianapolis, which I think is the first team that could like real it. You could ask them realistically for a second round pick because the 800 points in the first round and then the 360 in the second round, 1100, 1160. That's pretty comparable. Um, Hopefully people are following the numbers here, but, but my point is. <laughs> Can I just stop that, you real quick? How yeah. funny is all of this? Like how funny is it that Jimmy Johnson invented this chart? I don't know. 30 how years long ago. ago. Right. 30 years ago. And everyone's just like, okay, works for me. That's how we're going to do it. This is fantasy football stuff that, that this is how they're evaluating. And what Dimitrov said on the podcast was like, look, if we invent our own value chart based on analytics or whatever, how do we explain that to the Denver Broncos if we're the Falcons? Like, yes, but it's actually worth, you know, 1,000 virtual points. Or whatever. Right. So your point is, just a quick recap on all of those numbers, is just that the idea that they can go back one spot, two spots, three spots, and then get a second is pretty far-fetched. I would throw this in there, though, because uh, there was a very cool thing put out by, I think it was Lee Sharp of PFF, about how – like there have been many trades where they've overpaid by a lot, even by the Jimmy Johnson chart. I think the Mac Jones situation is the only one where you could actually pull that off, even if you're not moving all the way back into the twenties or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it like when you're dealing with the, the upper crust of the first round, like the difference between the third and fourth pick is enormous. That's why the Vikings were able to get a bounty when they swindled the Browns in 2012 um, and they got Trent Richardson and the Vikings got Matt Khalil and three more picks. doesn't work that way at the end of the first round. So there's a dozen teams between 21 and 32 who could trade up with the Vikings and would conceivably give a second round pick. Um, But you can eliminate some too, right? Like I don't think a division rival Packers are going to make that trade. Um, I don't think the Colts, who don't have a third-round pick, probably want to make that trade. Um, you know, the Jets, they're m- maybe, but I think the Jets probably want to hold on to that and, and their other picks because they need talent on that team. So what you have to look for, teams with a ton of picks who have, like, insurance late, later in the draft or teams that are really good and are just looking for single pieces. For example, the Saints, I think it was last year, traded all of their day two arsenal to get Cesar Ruiz, an interior offensive lineman, and didn't pick again until the fourth round. Um, if the Saints wanted to do that again, I think the Vikings would be thrilled. If a team like the, the Chiefs or the Bucks or the Titans, teams that are already good, looking for a plug-and-play, wanted to do that, I think the Vikings would be thrilled with that. But the most interesting team caller is not a good team. It's the worst team. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've got two firsts, two seconds, two fourths, two fifths, and a third. So they could realistically just swap first-round picks and give you a second 
you could get 45, which you gave up in the Ngakwe trade. It would be a, it would be a perfect <laughs> oh, deal. Man. It works out with the points. It's beautiful. Just swap with Jacksonville and get their second. <laughs> and the Jags would still have, you know, the 33rd overall pick at the top of the second round. So they would still have a second round pick. They would get an extra guy in the first, someone to maybe pair with Trevor Lawrence, yes, um, someone yeah. to put on defense. It, it actually makes a lot of sense. And the Vikings could, like, make amends for the, the botched Ngakwe trade. You're welcome, Rick, is basically what you're saying. It's like you've taken the time to figure this out for what, who they should be trading with. I love that, the Jaguars. And what makes it realistic, and of course you know that we wouldn't be able to hold our parade in this case, but what makes it realistic is if one of the weapons drops and you're the Jaguars, and they already have decent receivers, they picked LaVisca Chenault last year, but – I mean, they could be a team that says, or even, you know, Christian Derrissaw or something that says we really need to get Rashawn Slater or Christian Derrissaw. And as much as that would frustrate everyone if they passed on those guys, if you trade it back and got a second and we're still able to take someone like Walker Little out of Stanford, whose uh, athleticism really surprised me when we were, you know, doing our draft guide and looked at his relative athletic scores, you know, somebody like that who is projected as a second round pick because he didn't play last year and so forth, but you could still get him and he has starting level talent. I mean, that would be a huge win, I think, for the Vikings if they were able to do that. So that is a team, too, the Jaguars with Urban Meyer. Like, they want to be good right away. They don't want to have, oh, we're going to go 4-13 and 13 or something in our first year with Trevor Lawrence. Like, no, when you draft a Trevor Lawrence, you want to have an Andrew Luck quick turnaround where you go 10-7 and seven or you go 9-8 and eight and you, you take a huge jump forward and a wide receiver, a playmaker, uh, might be able to do that for them if they're there. So that's that's great work. And you did the whole breakdown, and I opened it up for everybody because I loved it. So if you go to purpleinsider.substack.com, you can see Sam's entire ridiculously detailed breakdown that I really love. Um, so was there anything else you wanted to say about that before I have another question for you? Uh, no, I'm pretty I'm pretty stuck on the Jaguars scenario. But, I mean, keep in mind, everyone's going to want to talk to the Jaguars because they have so many picks and everyone knows it, and the Jaguars are going to have an incredible draft no matter what. Like, they have, you know, nine picks scheduled in the in the top 150, I want to say. So they, they're going to move around, but everyone's going to be on the phone with them. So you need to be in a spot at 14 where there's a player, and in our, in our sim, it was Kyle Pitts, somebody who's one of a kind, someone that they, they can't turn down. And everyone's going to ask, well, if it's Kyle Pitts, why don't you just take him? And I could, I can't disagree with that. That'd be a pretty good player. And one of the, the more valuable players, frankly, because there is no peer for him in this draft. Like, he's the only one of his kind. Pat Fryermuth is nowhere close. It's Kyle Pitts, huge drop-off, and the rest of the tight ends. Yeah. So I would not fault the Vikings for just making that pick and then sitting out the second round. I think that would almost be worth it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, um, unless you could get them to even pay more because someone was desperate for that. Mm -hmm. But I also think that the, the teams in front of them could also determine this, too, because like you said, I mean, if you are Philadelphia and Kyle Pitts makes it to you, you're trying to trade out of that potentially because you've got a tight end in Dallas Goddard and you uh, need players, need lots of football players if you're Philadelphia. Um, the, the Giants decided to leak it out there that they might be interested in trading down. So there's so many trade down teams and even the Chargers fall into this category too before the Vikings that you might not get the chance. And that will be interesting to see how it plays out. So I have two more things for you. Uh, and one of them I think was fun and got a ton of responses on Twitter. So I'll throw it at you. But first, I want to know from you. I was thinking about this doing the draft research and when you wrote in the draft guide the best picks that they had made since 2000. So I want to know from you which draft picks the Vikings have made in recent years where you had a very strong feeling one way or the other. Because anybody who's listened to me for a while knows that I, you could kind of sell me one way or the other. It's like, oh, well, I love this draft pick because of this or that. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he'll work out. You know, and yeah. I mean, that ends up being me a, a lot of times. They're like, I don't know. Yeah, may, maybe, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a strong feeling about Laquan Treadwell, but I thought like, oh, I watched him in college. He was good. Right. Just, I don't know. Like maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. But um, I know that that's something that people will want from us and we will attempt to bring the strongest opinions we can. And, and it's one of my favorite things is when fans 
have these super strong takes on whether the team did the right thing or wrong thing. And analysts give you an F minus or an A plus. I think it was the Russell Wilson draft. Seattle got like C minuses and stuff from draft analysts. So mm-hmm. do you do you recall which picks you had the strongest takes on? Yeah, so I've covered six Vikings drafts. Um, I'm kind of going year by year here. So 2015, loved TJ Clemmings. Thought Clemmings was a great steal in the fourth round. And this Nailed is kind of a trend, a trend, right? Because Drew Samia was kind of the same way. It was like, wow, he dropped to the fourth round. Unbelievable value. Um, but, yeah, that was my whiff in 2015. And that was a predictable draft. That was like everyone knew they were going to go Waynes in the first round. And I, I think everyone was okay with that. He wasn't super polarizing of a player and really never was. He was just kind of, you know, average. Um, 2016, again, Treadwell wasn't a surprise. I thought he was going to be better than he ended up being, obviously. Uh, eyebrow raise at Moritz Boringer. What were they doing there? Mackenzie Alexander was a good pick. I, I really liked Mackenzie Alexander that draft. Um, I don't know if it was a strong opinion, though. I'm trying to come up with, like, where I really had a visceral reaction. Um, Brian O'Neill was my favorite pick in 2018. But you can go um, back even farther than that. Like you've been watching this team, like even even farther than that. Because I want to go, I want to go for mine. I have two of them that I was very I strong. Thought Ponder was for. horrible. Thought, yeah. I, okay, I, there I you go. The there, that's pick. what I'm looking for. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. Uh, Teddy was a pick that, even though I wasn't in Minnesota yet, I thought was amazing for the Vikings. And maybe it could have been if not for knees. But uh, I thought because he was the guy who dropped because of the gloves. You know, he didn't wear the gloves at the pro day, and his pro day wasn't good enough. And just me being me thought, who cares about a pro day? Right? Like, you got a guy who was projected as a top-five quarterback at 32 because of gloves? Like, this sounds perfect for you. And I didn't even, you know, I didn't even care about the Vikings or whatever. wasn't covering them at the time. I just thought, what a great idea to trade back up into the first round to take this guy who could be a franchise quarterback who was, if you watched him in college, I mean, his win against Miami was really something. I mean, Louisville was such a trash program and then was all of a sudden good. That was my one that I felt really strongly about and uh, on the plus side. And then um, also Justin Jefferson. When the Eagles took Jalen Rager, I had the same reaction as the Vikings drafter. I was like, what? How is, the, how is this possible? This guy with 100 catches and dominance in the national championship and a 4-4-40 and a 90-plus percent relative athletic. Like, how is this guy still here? And uh, it didn't take long for that one to turn out. So those were the ones that I had the strongest plus um, reactions to. Yeah, I feel like a lot of my strong pluses were wrong. Like, I remember really liking Josh Robinson back in 2012. He was crazy fast. I mean, he and that kind of played out in the pros, too. He was always with the guy. He just didn't know how to make a play on the ball. Uh, so I whiffed on that. You know, uh, the, the 2013 first round was incredible. and looked like it was going to be franchise-altering, and then that team fell flat on its face. Rhodes was not effective in the first year. Floyd was not really effective in the first year, and Patterson was great. And then it kind of flip-flopped um, after that. And, you know, we all know what happened with Floyd, and Patterson fizzled, and Rhodes ended up being the best of the bunch. But, um, yeah, and, like, as recently, you mentioned Jefferson. Last year, my my least favorite pick was Cameron Dantzler. I thought Dantzler, like, <laughs> couldn't tackle. I thought he, um, you know, was slow. And he ended up being the best, like, rookie corner that they had. So instinct is uh, often wrong when, it, when it's uh, me having the instinct. Hey, everyone. We have a new special offer to tell you about with our friends at Symbol. If you go to Symbol.app, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P, and sign up as a first-time user with a $20 deposit into Symbol using the promo code PURPLE, you will receive six months free of premium Purple Insider written content at purpleinsider.substack.com. So go to Symbol.app. 
Deposit $20 if you're a first-time user, six months free of our premium written content at Purple Insider. If you are not familiar yet with Symbol, it is a new sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams like stocks. So as we are fully into draft season, you're going to want to get in now with your team before their stock rises. Here's how it works. You buy stock of teams, and when your teams win, you earn cash payouts that are instantly deposited. So check it out, Symbol.app. Follow them on Twitter at Symbol Exchange and check out the marketplace for sports. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 217-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. I like that you're taking swings at takes on guys that aren't in the first or second round, that you're taking these big hacks at it. Uh, Now, I'm not intentionally going out of my way to talk about ones that ended up turning out right. But the ones that stick out for me that I didn't like, and I, and I actually did like Dantzler last year only because I think uh, I tend to follow like what Mike Renner says a lot. Cause I think he's very smart. And I remember him saying like, you shouldn't pay too much attention to the 40 times. So I thought, hey, okay, all right. Well, if he was projected as a second rounder and you got him in the third, that's, you know, good, go for that. And maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. Uh, but ones that I remember specifically being like, Really, guys? I mean, obviously the Willie Beavers one is incredible because the broadcasts like were shocked and didn't know what was going on. Uh, ben Gideon was one where I just didn't really get it. Like when you look up the guy and the first thing it says is he can't cover. He's only a run stuffer. I know it's a fourth round pick, but kind of what are you doing with that? Like, I just didn't really understand it. Jalen Holmes was another one where it went, I don't get this either. And any punter kicker or long snapper and this is it like if you want to be right be against any specialist who they draft because they've just not worked out at all and and aside from that I'll, I'll give you one where I was extremely wrong I thought the Dylan Mitchell pick was great and I know that's a seventh rounder but I was like wow this guy is explosive and athletic I talked to actual freaking Penny Hardaway for a story <laughs> about yeah I did Penny Freaking Hardaway called me to talk about coaching Dylan Mitchell as a young basketball player. And he was super nice. It was a great conversation. That guy didn't matter at all. He was awful. He had no idea what he was doing out there from day one. Uh, Rodney Adams was the same thing. On that day, I remember uh, one of the people who works for the Vikings in in PR, Sam Newton, we were just talking and he said like, uh, so you like any of these late picks? I was like, man, I kind of like this Rodney Adams kid. Like, way wrong so you know that's that's how it goes when you're trying to have takes about like day three picks yeah and a lot of these small school guys they've tried to where you kind of talk yourself into it because they had like a like dominant college tape someone like um uh you know kyle hinton at washburn (laughs) or ade aruna at tulane um or where'd colby gossett go yes yeah, yeah, all the, the small school guys that are pretty good at their level and then they turn out to not be very good. Um, it, I see why you can talk yourself into it because I watch Quinn Minerts in this year's draft and I watch him like like physically maim non-scholarship D3 athletes and it's it's fun, it's a good YouTube reel. I don't know if it translates, but it's it's fun to watch and I I can see like where guys are physically manhandling their opponents in college where you can get enamored by that and talk yourself into it, but it doesn't always work out. 
this is another angle at this is like which guys on draft day were fans really excited about like, wow, you got this guy in the you know, sixth round or whatever. And then all of a sudden, um, as soon as we get to training camp, it's just over very fast. You know who that was for me? And I know this was actually the start of our milkshake bets was Bucky Hodges was the one mm-hmm. where I remember uh, I, I remember I went on care and I was on with Dave Schwartz, who's our friend and, um, Shout out to Dave Schwartz for hooking me up with his realtors, and that's why I'm sitting in my house right now. So, and and Dave brought me on and asked me about Bucky Hodges, and like, oh, it's really exciting sixth round tight end. And I was like, yeah, man, you should see him run. It's crazy, you know, like this could be awesome. And then very quickly, when Pat Shermer was screaming at him out on the practice field that he couldn't get the plays right, it's like I don't think it's gonna work. I don't think he's gonna make it. So it's but yeah, he did. I, I think it's he fun. did remind me. Did he or did he not make the fifty-three man roster? I can't remember. Just to remind me how that this went is, down. This is a technicality. It's the technicality. So the bet was between you and I on a milkshake was whether Bucky would make it because we were watching the practices and it was going really bad for Bucky. So I was saying like, no way, no way, he's making this fifty-three. When they announced the fifty-three, he was on it. And they cut him the next day. And I tried to appeal, and we brought in an independent arbiter, John Krasinski, and mm-hmm. he ruled against me. But I still think that, like, it's a technicality. I won that. That's, you know, it's kind of it's like Vikings fans saying, hey, you know, if uh, Sam Bradford had started the NFC Championship, maybe they would have won. <laughs> hey, we, we put the debate up for like a neutral, one of our peers made a ruling, and I think we just have to, to stick with that. We have to honor Johnny Athletics' decision. It's fair. It's fair. It's fair. It's. I'm still salty, but it was a fair decision by due process, and I thank John Krasinski for that. Uh, The last thing I want to ask you, I put this out on Twitter, got a ton of responses, was just who the the funniest guy that gets compared to players all the time during draft season is. The one – the ones that I came up with was obviously Daniil Hunter. If a guy is athletic and has no sacks is a tremendously funny comparison. That's made constantly Le'Veon Bell for every patient runner and every undersized defensive tackle is Aaron Donald. And uh, a bunch of people came up with like Wes Welker is every white, you know, undersized wide receiver and things like that. What is your favorite hilarious comparison that gets made all the time during draft season? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this name, but you do love '90s football. Chris Walsh was a like of course gritty. I know that name. Was okay, good, good, good. Yeah, gritty fourth wide receiver, special teams ace type that I feel like Vikings fans are always looking for the next Chris Chris Walsh. And at one time, Adam Thielen was the next Chris Walsh. Like it was Chris right. Walsh in the flesh, and he, believe it or not, actually got better than Chris Walsh. Um. I don't know if you're aware of that. So that's a good local <laughs> angle. Um, on a like vaster scale, I, f- I feel like um, wide receivers are so like easily compared. Like if they've got good hands, but they're not very fast, it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's Chris Carter. I guess that's another local one, but like if they're Antoine big. Bolden is another one that gets yeah, to that. Yeah. Like, the ri- like tough and, or if they're really tall. Um, and they have like long strides. It's Calvin Johnson. Yes. Yep. Calvin Johnson gets gets comp quite a bit because he was you know he was pretty distinctive. Obviously, um, you know Joe probably like everyone's looking for the next Joe Thomas at left tackle if they're just like kind of a big burly like you know good pass blocker. Um, the all timer well, is uh, anyone who's drafted late. Is some some analysts will say, well, you know, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick, so. Might as well take a shot on the guy. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, and, well, the, and the quarterback comparisons can get pretty lazy, too, because any pocket guy is going to get compared to, like, you know, Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins. We've talked about that. Like, all the pocket guys get compared to, like, a handful of other pocket guys, and then the athletic ones get compared to Lamar Jackson or RG3. And it's it's kind of a it's, – it's an annoying comparison. It's a lazy comparison, but – there's not that many notable like quarterbacks, a pretty exclusive club. So there's only so many that you can really stack them up against. Yeah. 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 Every, every short quarterback, if you're not mobile, you're Drew Brees. And if you are yeah. mobile, you're Russell Wilson. It's I was like, going to say Flutie. But. Yeah. Oh yeah. Doug Flutie mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how many times I've heard that comparison, but I want to start using it. 
Um, so I think that's a fun thing we should do at some point is uh, take comparisons of current draft players. We could do this for you know another podcast uh, and make them to current Vikings and see if we can make some like uh, square pegs fit in round holes with that. Like who is the most Adam Thielen like receiver in this draft is a really good question. Oh, we, we, could actually, we could we could figure it out. I think it actually might be Devonte Smith, but Thielen is Thielen is stronger. Thielen's bigger. Are there any uh, D two guys that are like low <laughs> yeah. level low level wide? I don't even know the answer. Are there some low level wide receivers? I don't know. Like later on, K Johnson is one that I like. Oh, K Johnson, yeah, yeah, South Dakota State. Yeah, I like K Johnson a lot. He's like he he like you said the highlight reel is great, but also those guys uh, when they go to the Senior Bowl. That's a huge help for them because they could play against really good players. And Kate Johnson was great. So, yeah, Hopefully I like better him. better than Jake Winicky. Remember Jake Winicky? Do remember was, Jake Winicky. He was supposed to be, like, the next Thielen. And, uh, and he got to training camp. And that was, like, a really hyped training yes. camp wide receiver class, too. I can't remember all the names, but it was uh, Tavares King, I'm pretty sure, and Winicky. And, yeah, none of them were very good. My dog is... Jingling, jingling in the sorry. background yeah well say hi to captain for me uh okay well that's a good if we don't have a dog in the background at least once then uh, it's not a show we have failed as podcast. can we get a sponsor for the dog jingles can we like sell that <laughs> can we sell, sell that part of it i think we can so everyone should go check out your piece about trading down purpleinsider.substack.com and also if you sign up for even just one month at purpleinsider.substack.com you get our draft guide which is 72 pages more than 50 profiles of uh, players that are draftable this year, targets for the Vikings. You did your best pick since 2000. You did Vikings trends. I did a draft simulation that I think I hit it out of the park, as I always do on my draft sims. So mm-hmm. it's it's worth it. I see people selling draft guides for 20 bucks, and this one you get all of our draft coverage and the draft guide for seven if you sign up for just one month. So there's your little commercial for that. And, Sam, we will – Talk in the Friday roundtable, and then next week we're going to go to Birdie Golf, do our draft preview there. Can we announce who the roundtable guest is right now? Uh, I negotiations too secretive. No, I just uh, I just don't trust Sage. That's why. Sage Rosenfels is supposed to be our Friday roundtable guest, and we'll see. We'll see. He is a traveler of the world. Like every time I talk to Sage, he's somewhere else. He's like training quarterbacks mm-hmm. and working with QB Collective. So. He didn't give me a definitive 1,000% thumbs up, but I think that's what we're doing. Well, I mean, Sage is great because he ties our careers together. Like, we have both independently podcasted with Sage, and now we're all going to be in the same place at once. But does he have – like, last year was Anthony Gordon. Remember, he had a quarterback that he was pounding the table for. Is there going to be an Anthony Gordon in this year's draft? I can't wait to hear. I know he worked with Ian Book, so maybe Ian Book is his guy. We'll have to talk to him. And Classen just, like, destroyed Ian Book last week. Hates him. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it goes. All right, Sam, thanks for your time, man. Thank you.